Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode's topic, POV, point of view. Uh, I'm Russ Capasso, and joining me in third-person omniscient is Tim Letney. Limited. Third-person limited today. Uh, little, okay. So little did he know he was joining me. <laughs> third-person omniscient. So, Oh, man. Russ, yeah, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited and interested to talk about this because you and I have talked about this quite a bit, the old POV. Yeah, it's been um, a stumbling block for me for a little bit, but we can get to that later. Yeah. I, so I figure, well, let's just talk some of the basics of POV and kind of we'll go into like our own experiences with it and our own, let's just call it out, screw ups and how we've kind of maybe corrected those things or, or noticed them. So, um, so I mean, g- generally the idea, right? Point of view is just um, kind of like the narrator's position and like description of like the events uh, and kind of like in the world, right? And what's going on for connecting the reader to the characters within the story. Does that sound reasonable i'm kind of pulling yeah that from, sounds reasonable pulling that from um, a couple different sources like kind of all describe it it's like that in different ways and i would say it's really important to know your pov before you begin writing yes <laughs> it's not something that you want to necessarily change later on i mean i think it's okay to do it if you want to switch it up but it's something you should kind of go into your work with some intentionality i think yeah i uh, 100 agree and we can definitely talk about it when we get into our own experiences because i made that mistake <laughs> so <laughs> and yeah a lot of a lot of work <laughs> so how many types are there there's a few right what's uh what's yeah. first on the docket so there are there's four types uh, typically, right? So you've got first person point of view, uh, where your your pronouns are like I, me, my, not to be confused with the Beatles song, I, me, mine. Um, your second, <laughs> I don't know why that just popped in my head. Your second person point of view, right? We're using you. Um, you see that a lot of times, like the old choose your adventure, you know, from games of the 80s and stuff, you enter a nice right. cave, right? Um, I got some uh, actually comments about the second person because that's not really used all that much in in fiction. Although I did read a series recently that that used it to a kind of great effect. So and then there's third person point of view limited, and then there's third person point of view omniscient, right? And those are kind of like the four major categories. I think within first person, there's like even more. There's like subcategories in there, um, mm. like first person central and then first person peripheral. So I think first person peripheral is a good example. Is that the great is uh, the Great Gatsby, where the main character is. You know, the person who's doing the narrating is a secondary character, but the main character is is Gatsby himself. So interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think for first person central, a good example is I think to kill a mockingbird. I have not read that, which probably I probably should have, but you know, it's weird. How do you feel about first person generally for contemporary fiction? I'm fine. I'm fine with it. And I think like that, along with third person limited are probably the two more popular uses. Mm. And we can also talk about the deep POV. <laughs> um later but uh i think those are those are the two most common ones right and i think about like my genre and i'm curious from your genre because you read a lot of horror i read a lot more thrillers and kind of mysteries it'll bounce be back and forth between those two um like first person like there's two books i just read one i just finished one i'm reading right now they're both in first person they're both thrillers um Mm -hmm. and it's just because it allows you to like the you to get into that character's head, right? And for a story like the thriller I'm reading right now, this guy's trying to figure out who he is and what his memories are correct. That seems like the the best POV to choose, right? To mm. kind of kind of parse through that and go through that adventure where you don't know what's going on because you are just following what the character knows, right? I think I'm pretty, I'm very particular about the POVs that I like to read, and I yeah. didn't realize this until I started paying a lot of attention to it. Yeah, um, I am very dubious 
of a first person narrator because really? I am I just don't trust them. I mean, I think there's so much suspension of disbelief that goes on during a book that when mm -hmm. it's first person, sometimes the writer comes through and it feels disingenuous to me. Yep. I, I've, I've certainly read some first person narratives that, that are wonderful. And other times I find myself going, really? Like, you know, are you, which is why, and we can talk about it when we get there, but which is why I think limited or not third person limited, but like writing in third omniscient is what I enjoy the most. Mm. But there are loads of books and loads of horror novels in first person. I've read a slew lately. Yeah. And it's funny because you're like, oh, you like reading horror novels. Interestingly enough, I hadn't read very many horror novels until I was looking for comps. I run mm. read a ton of novels. Yeah, yeah. Not a ton of horror novels. Really? Um, but now I have. I mean, obviously King and Clive Barker and um some of the classics like Victorian horror literature I was very into. But when it came to contemporary horror, it was um more research based than it was enjoyment based about yeah. seeing what the field was. But you're right. There is a lot of first person. In fact, it was kind of difficult to find third person comps for a while. Yeah. At least looking at subject matter. But yeah, I just don't, I don't love it. Um, I don't even know if I like it. I don't think I like first person narratives. And you're, and that's interesting. Cause like it's, I mean, that's, that's that's kind of one of the bigger you know POVs to use and and yeah it really and, is and, yep. literature. and and you're not, and just to be clear you're not talking about like an unreliable narrator which is a completely different use of like a first person I would much prefer an unreliable narrator yeah. which I guess like Fight Club but, would be a good good example of that right like unreliable I mean, Fight narrator Club, I think is in second person but but, but it's well, certainly an unreliable narrator yeah, yeah. yeah I mean what gets it's not that it's unreliable it's and this is going to sound petty. I feel like often for first person narrators, it's unbelievable for me. It's harder for me to be kind of brought into the world. Yep. And I like being in the hands of the omniscient narrator much more than I do the first person. That's kind of interesting. I never actually thought of, I mean, I don't have a problem with you. I, I never thought about which one I liked, but now you're bringing this up. I'm just thinking about this book that I just read and it's in first person. And mm -hmm. I didn't like it because it was un it was unbelievable because I like the, based on the author and the character he was writing for, choosing mm -hmm. first person was like that's kind of a bold move I think for the type of character he was writing for. So he was writing as somebody that was obviously not from the same background as himself. Yeah, which I think maybe maybe that's my own fault. Like maybe it's an own bias in my head of like it's also just felt like the way that the person was speaking also felt like a nineteen forties noir detective. And it was really hard for my brain to to not picture this. So, like the the main character is uh, is a female character, a gay a gay, a gay female character, right? Okay. But they wrote them as kind of like this nineteen forties noir detective, which maybe was the was on purpose. Like maybe that was the point to kind of give it like this noir feel. But I had I was struggling so hard with I kept picturing this as as a male character, and I couldn't get my mm -hmm. head out of it. And it just felt like, oh, that's kind of a interesting choice as like a, and this comes back to like our men writing female characters too, like interesting choice to, 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 for that, to pick that, choose that character to, to have the lens through and also do it in first person. Cause like first person you have to, you're getting pretty much, you're in that character's head the entire time. It might also just be, be my own problems, my own bias, but. But it stood out to you, right? And it did not pull you into the story because you were doubtful because yes. the author. Yep. And the subject matter he was writing on were so disparate 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say that that happens to me often when I'm reading. It's very distracting. Yeah, very distracting. Uh, I don't know if that's a me problem or if that's a, a way the the story is put yeah, together. Oddly but. enough, right? I had read um, Ghost Story. Right? I mentioned this a few podcasts ago, and um, that's omniscient third, and also first person. So it jumps to a diary in the middle. Oh, you mentioned this. Yep, yep. But when it was teed up in that way. I don't know. It felt believable to me, but also that character had been established previously as existing in the world. So it did kind of feel like a a document from this world as opposed to being inside the head of a character. So that didn't ruin the suspension. So I do think it can be done really well. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. It's just, I, I just, as you know, a, maybe a biased reader, I'm a little more dubious about first person. Hmm. Um, I do think they are very accessible. I think when I was younger, I liked them a lot. Yeah. Um, because it does like first person narratives grab you immediately. You're just locked into that, that character's perspective. So all of a sudden you're forced to identify with them whether right. you want to or not. Right. Cause I mean, there is a distancing with all the different types of point of view, right? Like, you know, that second and first person is, is closer to the reader. Whereas you get to the third person limited and omniscient, you're further away from the reader. Right. So right. once you start using, you know, pronouns like I or me or even you, right? It's like now it's 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 me, the reader in, in this this, this right. position. So um, and that's actually why I have a hard time with first person as well, is that it is so limited. And we can talk about this with limited third too, is that as a reader and now as a writer, I really want a larger view yeah. of what's happening. And maybe that's because you know, I'm interested in film and I, I like not, and I like kind of head hopping and I like seeing that canvas be very, very broad filled yeah. in as opposed to like, whereas first person point of view and even limited third sometimes feels like shining a flashlight in the dark. Like it's very much tunnel vision on where you're looking. Yeah. You don't get a very large canvas. Second person point of view. The only example that I think I've ever read is Fight Club. And I hope I'm right. I'm pretty sure that it's yeah, I can't remember I read second that. <laughs> person. I mean, there's so many like you wake up in Fort Worth, you wake up yeah. I mean, at a minimum, it dips into second often, which makes a lot of sense thematically, right? If Palmuck intentionally wrote in second person with the themes of that that book, I think it fits well. I didn't even think about choose your adventure. You're right. Right. You enter the ice cave, you pick up a torch, right? Um, actually, and I was thinking the other one, um, the most popular one I can think of right now, which I read a while back and I've mentioned on here is the Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. NK Jemison. And she does, <laughs> she goes first person, second person, and third person in that. Wow. So, and, and some of like, it's funny, I'm reading through these articles about tips of like, you know, point of view, making sure you pick one and you kind of stick to it. Right. But obviously there's, there's certainly exceptions to the rule. And one of the other tips is like, if you are going to, if you are going to switch between point of views, like first and third or whatever, just make sure you're consistent with it. Uh, because you kind of regain the trust of the reader. And then there's a, there's a pattern the reader can get, you know, get comfortable with and kind of maintain like the story structure. When I first started reading, the first book of her series, the first chapters in first person or no, the first two chapters, I think you're in second person, if I remember correctly. And it was so, I was having such a hard time. Like, I was like, this is so awkward to read. And I, maybe cause I haven't read enough second person, you know, there's not many. Stuff. Right. And no. very interesting too, because for me, at least the first 30 pages of any book are really hard to get into. It's kind yeah. of before that spell is cast. I feel like I'm shoveling sand or something. Yes. Yep. 
Um, <laughs> so to do that and then also play with a, a, a rarely used POV is really interesting. Yeah, and but I'll say like again, she kept it consistent and the cycling through the different you know character POVs and and uh, the different characters that were speaking in each of these point of views, right? Uh, narration modes, I guess you can call them too. Um, it started making sense and you start getting into a rhythm. And then I was like, okay, this is, this is natural for me to read this. And the payoff to it was just, it was beautiful. It was like, you got me. That was awesome. Um, so it was That's totally, great. totally worth it. Um, so it tied into the themes. I mean, it tied into the story. There was, there was yes. yep. a mechanism. There was a reason for it. Yep. Having three different POVs. That's oh, wonderful. hundred percent. And it all just came together, like maintain the story structure. And then once you get to the end, it all kind of just paid off. You're like, oh. Okay, this was. And you this, said that was the Broken Earth trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I'll check that Jameson. out. It's worth highly, highly recommend uh, and worth a read. And second person, I guess you could, could you, you could count Breaking the Fourth Wall, right, as a second person POV. That's kind of an interesting one, actually, right? I don't know. Isn't that first person? Well, if a character is breaking a wall and communicating to the reader, wouldn't that be second person? Oh, uh, I guess so. Yeah. I guess the next types that are pretty common are third person, limited, and third person omniscient. So. It's interesting because Omniscient, I keep reading, is it's certainly not, it's, it feels like it's a little bit older of a style. Yeah, it hurts um, me because it's my favorite. <laughs> and that's, that's going to be more you're going to getting, you're getting more into the experience of all the characters in the story, right? You're bouncing around. Um, with third person limited, it's, you're setting up a scene with a particular character and you're sticking with their view within that scene. You can jump to a secondary character, but you got to make sure it's pretty clear, like a scene break and or like new chapter. Uh, but but while you're in limited, it's just their perspective of the world and what's going on. I'll say with third person omniscient, I mean they're very very similar POVs. They're a kind of a mess to separate. <laughs> yeah, so. and I think that's why I had such a hard time, which I'll get into separating them because third person omniscient can dip into third person limited in moments. Yes, yep. based on the scene. But I'll say the same thing. Like if you're doing that head hopping, even in third omniscient. You want to have a clear, either a page break or a, a new chapter, or a new sub chapter, something, because you don't want to confuse the reader. And there's some times that I've come across in books I've read where they don't do it. And it's now that I'm paying so much attention to POV, it's very jarring. It's yeah. like very jarring if all of a sudden you're in somebody else's head without it being a page break. Honestly, sometimes if I'm listening to a book, over my headphones if I'm walking the dog or something. Um, and if it's in a printed book, there would have been a space there. But in yeah. an audio book, there, there isn't that space. And it just jumps to somebody else. And I'm like, where? Oh, interesting. What's happening right now? Yeah, and I think it's it's having the break plus establishing it really quickly within like, like the first couple of lines, whose head you're in. I got this a lot of feedback from my editor as well. Like there were some scenes I'd write where you know, she's like, yeah, we're not sure. I'm not sure where you are yet. And you're like two paragraphs, three paragraphs in. I don't know whose head you're in yet. Um, yeah. So like there was a lot of moving uh, some dialogue or even just action moments up to the top, just so immediately, you know, whose head you're in. For me, like the big difference is with third limited. So I just read Clown in a Cornfield. Yep. Which is very much it's 99% limited third person. Yeah. There's certain moments, you know, if like a character has gone through something traumatic, you know, the narrator pulls back just a little bit, but for the most part, it's limited third. And um, it's neat, you know, having that boots on the ground and feeling really locked in with the main character and the B character. I had a very hard time, and I can get to this later, writing mm -hmm. from that perspective because I have a tendency to want to pull out a little bit. 
and show things that maybe the main character can't see Mm -hmm. or share some information to the reader that maybe the main character doesn't quite know yet. And that's based on the books I like to read. Um, I think King is very much uh, omniscient third, but I think you're right that it's uh, more contemporary to use for some authors to use limited third person. I just don't love it. Although I am trying to write in it for a short story right now. Yeah. But honestly, I'm writing on it because it's like limiting and as an exercise to not, I don't know, to be a little more focused and honed in on that character and that character's experience without going first person. It almost seems like in my head, it's the middle ground between first person and third person omniscient. You've got this limited third where it's still to me a little more believable, but very narrow in focus. Should we get deep into the deep point of view? To me, and and like the research I've been doing over the last couple of years, and this feels like a more um, newer kind of uh, concept or maybe almost buzzwordy type of thing, this deep I think I need to be educated on it. Can you give me a little breakdown of what it is? Basically, and I actually I pulled this from the uh, Masterclass website, you know, which has got a pretty good breakdown of, of the deep point of view. But it's a way of writing fiction in third person limited. It silences the narrative voice and takes the reader directly into a character's mind. While third person limited writing attaches to a single character and refers to them by their name or pronouns, DPOV takes it one step further eliminating filter words and writing as the character instead of, of about them. Um, they have an example here. I don't know if I'm going to read this sentence. Like I yeah. do, I do, because I'm still confused about what it is. I, I was too, and, and I had conversations with my editor about this as well. And she had made notes of, you know, things to start cutting out to get deeper into the character's point of view. And I was like, well, what does that even mean? I'm like, I can't go any deeper. I'm <laughs> drowning. <laughs> so they have an example here. So like, this is the, you know, uh, the, this first sentence would be like just third person on the right. So he peered out the window. Are they coming for me? And like in quotes, he wondered as he listened to the sound of distant hoofbeats. Now rewriting that into DPOV would be he peered out the window. Were they coming for him? Hoofbeats rumbled in the distance. Oh, kill me. <laughs> so, That's so similar. <laughs> you're eliminating that he wondered as he listened. You're just kind of getting right into were they coming for him question and then cutting right to the, 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 the sound that he's hearing in the distance. Like, yeah, you're cut, you're just cutting, you're cutting some fat here, but it seems, oh my God. Yeah. It seems wishy-washy. I don't know (laughs) what's the word. I think one of the reasons why I like omniscient is because I feel like you're allowed to choose from all these different toolkits in a way, whereas the other more limited POVs kind of restrain you. Mm -hmm. So there's moments with like omniscient third, where the narrator is speaking from the perspective of the character. Still yep. the narrator, but he's kind of empathizing with that character. I feel like King does that quite a bit. But with this deep third POV, those two sentences are identical to me. But as I mean, as a reader, I just I don't know if I would. I don't know. The, the idea is what to make it feel more. You don't like it. And you're you closer to the character. You don't like it because it would lower your word count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a lower at about 18k actually. Yeah, I don't know. So like I mean some of the some of the things that it continues on, right? Like reasons why to write in this and like I'll just do the the quick bullets here. So it's like creates a deeper connection between the readers and the characters, maybe because you're short because you're because you're short shortening the narrative distance between the readers and, you know, the the POV character. Sure. But can't you do both? Like I yeah, feel I like think you for can. certain scenes of effect, right? Like yeah. maybe if it's 
you're reaching a climax or, you know, tension is like escalating, you know, the stakes are raised. You could probably dip into I deep feel like POV. then I kind of like cut away some of those words to make it more immediate and punchy. Yeah. Is there examples of entire books written in this deep POV or is it just moments of it? There's no examples here of entire books written in deep POV. Because I'd say as like a tool to use, I great, perfect. I big, big thumbs up. I think you want to be as close to the character in certain scenes as possible. Yeah. But as like an always type of thing. Yeah, I think it's, well, it's, you know, you think about that first sentence, right? I think it's the, if you're eliminating the stuff like the he wondered as he listened, you know, you eliminate sure. that stuff, right? That's, that's where you're, you're going to kind of get deeper into the character's POV. And I think if you're getting into a flow, almost like dialogue, right? Like you don't always need to say, you know, Russ said, yeah. Tim said, eventually you get into a flow. And I'd say the same thing with character thoughts or character experience, that eventually the reader knows who whose POV you're in and that you don't need those yeah, yeah. kind of signifiers of who's experiencing it. Um, some of the other things they throw out here is to why, you know, a reason why you want to do it is like it strengthens character development because um, you're nestled, I guess, a little bit deeper into the character's head because you're not having those filter, filler, filler words. Um, this is a tough one, like makes a storyline come alive, I guess, because you're more immersed and you don't have those he wondered, he listened type of tags that kind of would separate you, the reader from the narrative. Um, it's a more concise way of writing. Sure. Definitely. Yeah, sure. That's absolutely right. You know, not to always compare things to, to movies, but mm. it feels like the speed, you know, I, I think it would be a good tool to use for pacing. Yes. And I, f I feel like, at least personally, it's something that I wouldn't crack out of the gate with, but eventually I would introduce as things start moving along at a clip and almost, and I say like film, like it'd be quicker edits. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's just, it's a variation of third person limited. So I'd, I think, like you said, I, I, this doesn't feel like something you, it feels like you can go into this in certain moments and scenes based on, yeah, yeah I agree. Like you could, if you have a really intense scene cutting into like this, this DPOV would probably heighten that tension or you know, whatever moment's happening or whatever conflict's happening. Yeah. Uh, but then if you're, you know, moving to something that's a little bit more establishing, you can probably bounce back up to the limited and have, you know, some of those breezy words, if you will. Yeah. And then everything else in here is, I mean, so like how to write in deep POV, like, all right, create an in-depth character sketch before you start writing. Sure. Use character's voice instead of the narrative voice. You're cutting out the middleman basically, right? Which we just kind of talked about getting rid of like, dialogue tags and moving them more into action, which we, you know, talked about, um, show don't tell, which is that's for everything. Right. Um, and using an active voice. So active verbs and rather than passive voice, you know, constructions place action at a, you know, the center of the scene. But I think those are kind of just general writing tips. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, and then here you go at the very end here, you know, use deep POV and scenes that call for it. See, we, we know this stuff. We can masterclass this shit. So, we're masterclass. You might write your book in thir limited third and reserve DPOV scenes for that worn, a more introspective look. Look at us. I didn't even get that. Oh, that's there. cool. You can use it here and there. So, but so those are like the 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 four major types in a little little discussion. There's one other which is very rarely written in, right? Which I had confounded with omniscient third, which is objective third. Yes, I. So don't, there's I don't there's barely any examples. I think there's like <laughs> some Hemingway short stories or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. So um, I had confounded the two. I, I had wrongly thought that Cormac McCarthy wrote an objective third, and he doesn't. It's it's omniscient. So Russ, what was your experience with POV? Did you start with one out of the gate that you knew that you wanted to write in? 
Nope. I did all the things <laughs> that we said you should do. I did all these things wrong. So <laughs> so what'd you start in? Let me, let me name the ways. <laughs> um, so my first draft was in first person. Uh, and then I realized that wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, I think after so you wrote the entire book in first person perspective. Yes. Wow. Because um, I had no idea what I was doing. And what's and I, it in now? I didn't. I didn't read all these nice articles before. <laughs> before. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't have a friendly, helpful podcast. I did. I did not to, to help to give me, you advice. Yeah, before I started down this path. So I started in, in first person. I don't know why I picked that. I think maybe because at, at the time I just had, I only had one character in mind that was going to be traversing through this entire story, and that makes sense, right? <laughs> no. Um, so then I you know, finished first draft and then read it. And I was like, this doesn't feel right. Um, and I was also like, oh, there's other characters I think I want to get. I want to have their point of view because this is a thriller and it's more of like an espionage thriller and I can bounce between characters. And then I started reading more and then I started finding some of these articles. And I was like, eh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then the second draft, I switched over to third limited. At least I thought. And did you I did. know what third limited was at that moment? No. So mistake number two. <laughs> mistake number two is uh, I guess I basically just went to third person. I don't think I knew okay. the intricacies or the differences between omniscient and, and limited. So I switched over to third person, and it started feeling better because then I was like, okay, well, I have two other characters who I want to jump in their heads and have these different point of views of how the story is unfolding and what they're seeing, and it feels a little more kind of in the action thriller, you know, adventure feel and kind of other novels I had read in the same category were doing similar things with multiple characters. So um, I was like, okay, well, let's do that. And then it went to, then it's, yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. So then once I handed it off to, I did my best and I started reading these and I was like, oh, or reading articles about limited and omniscient. I was like, okay, I am definitely doing this very wrong still, not being consistent with it and kind of bouncing around a lot of head hopping in that those early drafts, even up to the third draft, even now, um, editor is still catching stuff. She's like, oh, you're head hopping here a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Where all of a sudden, like, I'm in one character's POV, and then halfway through, they're having a conversation, but I jump to a secondary character that they're having a conversation with, and they have all these thoughts and feelings of the moment. Yeah. Um, and that, that was a no-no. So just kind of learning along the way. Um, but now I know, okay, this should have been from the start, third-person limited maybe some moments of deep POV, which I do touch on in, in some moments. So, um, but yeah, that was a big mistake. And other things I learned, you know, establishing that POV within those first two paragraphs uh, and doing it quickly, if you're gonna change a scene or even a chapter and you're jumping to another character. So yeah, pretty much all four of these things that we, the kind of our thoughts and tips we gave in the early on, uh, I screwed those all up. <laughs> And it, it added time, it adds time. Uh, but it was also a learning process. Like I completely failed at all these things. Um, and it was a mess, but you know, you go through, you let people read it and see how they react and if they can understand the pacing and what's going on. Um, but yeah, so total how mess. How involved was your, um, <laughs> how, so when you went from first person to third, yeah, how involved was that rewrite? Like, holy smokes. <laughs> really? Yeah. Even I think going into the second and third drafts, I think there was still some lingering. Uh, I did this moments. I think maybe you you might have even caught some um, at that point. It was terrible to, to have to go through that. Um, but at the same time, I learned quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> then I was going through this and switching to this this completely different uh, POV. Obviously, 
but then I was thinking more about the world, which is kind of a weird thing because if you're in first person, you should be thinking very deeply about the world and you know the character's uh, mindset. But I was thinking a little bit more on the action and how that would play out, and I think it got me to kind of you know think more about the scene and not just here's a bit of dialogue and then you know quick two lines of like here's the thing they discover and move on. Um, it kind of got me to like kind of flush the world out a bit more um, and think more about the characters. So. It was a learning process. I don't ever want to go through that again because that was a nightmare. And when when you were moving into third, and then when you passed to your editor, did you have any moments of third omniscient that you had to cut out to make it third limited? There was a couple moments of that of that happening, which I guess would be the head hopping, probably right. I mean, for me, and we can get to me rambling about my trials <laughs> and tribulations. It's when I pull back and I show something that the main characters cannot see. Yeah. Like visually see, like I'm describing a scene or the scale of a, you know, of, of an action beat or m- maybe something's happening five houses down or something. It's very much the narrator. It's kind of moving around a little bit. I had that problem with the characters who I didn't have established solidly early on. And I think you even probably notices that like and everyone I read, like I've got this one character, Lilo, who is my 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 hacker awesome character. And I just saw that character and, you know, I had a backstory for her already. And you can tell the difference from when I write her chapters versus when I write my other characters' chapters because I had her, her sketch and her world and like ideas for the you know other books for her already, you know, and like and that shows up and it totally showed up. Yeah. And everyone kept saying there was, like, an oh. ener- there was an energy in those early drafts right. in her chapters that was absent in Elliot's chapters at yeah, the time, right? Which I think comes back to like even before you get into the whole process and picking your POV, like know your characters and have a pretty good understanding of who they are from be, you know behind the scenes, because then it makes you write such stronger scenes. And like I knew who she was, I knew she was had this paranoia, I knew that she was running to survive, and that all you know that all shows up in the way that you write and from that character's perspective and what they're seeing in the world. So. Yeah, I think that was like, and then and my other characters who weren't well established, I was definitely bouncing to this omniscient or head hopping and doing whatever because I, I didn't have their world view locked in yet. Did you have your POV established in the beginning? Because you you go through multiple characters as well, like like I yep. do, right? So, so I have, you know, not intentionally. I'll say I'll say that I began writing in third person omniscient. Um, I didn't know what it was called. <laughs> I just knew that like I was probably regurgitating a lot of books I liked and narrators yeah. in that kind of entry point and tone of, of the book. So it, it, there was no intentionality behind yeah. what I chose the POV other than this is how I think books sound, which yep. is probably terrible to say. But I think that's just kind of like and I'll say with my older writing, my narrator was too too much character. Like my not in this book per se, but in some yeah. of my older short stories or a novella that I never finished. He's like my narrator is always this kind of curmudgeonly, judgmental, angry bully, mm-hmm. and I very much did not want that to happen. So as I was reading a bunch of other books, because I was like, "What that? Like, how am I supposed to? I know I'm in third, but I was really having a hard time before I had the language to describe it. The difference between limited third. Mm-hmm. and omniscient third and when I use what. And I think there is some flexibility in, now that I've done some research in third person omniscient where you can have moments, you know, in your story where you get, do kind of dip into the character for a moment, yeah. but you can pull back as well. Yep. And, you know, you called me out for, I had these moments 
where my third person omniscient narrator is at his worst when he's trying to create tension or suspense by mm -hmm. teasing the reader that something's going to happen that the characters don't know yet. It's kind of like, they thought everything was going to be okay. Yeah. They were wrong. <laughs> you know, and I deleted all that gobbledygook. But yeah, because it, I don't know. Is that Sorry, was that a leftover from like things you have read though, right? And like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think maybe more ham-fisted than what I've read, but I think that yeah. sentiment is there. So um, I took a lot of inspiration, I mean, from Tolkien, oddly, but also from recent King. So I was like, I kept opening King being like, because when I was, because I was, you know, I had a POV crisis. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Am I doing it wrong? Um, because I was doing head hopping and I was not like like you did, right? I had these scenes where there was no page break, where I would have a chunk of maybe limited third yeah. with one character. And then that character gets maybe indisposed for some reason, mm -hmm. whether there's violence or they're not feeling well or something. And then I would jump to another character. It like, but a slice of it, not big enough for its own sub chapter. Yeah. So I cleaned all that up, but I was like, what am I doing? So I realized like, yeah, you don't want to jump from head to head. You want to be as clear to the reader as you possibly can be about where you are. Yeah. But also like there's moments where, and I talked about this before, one of the reasons why I didn't feel comfortable doing uh, during a rewrite of like a limited POV, a limited third POV was because I want the reader to see things the characters don't. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm dealing with scale. Like I'm dealing with an outbreak story where a lot of things are happening. And if I have to rely on the character as camera to always pick up what's happening, to me, that's limiting and also almost unrelatable. Yeah. Because when you're in a panic situation, you're not poetic or looking around and picking up every little detail. You're thinking about, let's get the heck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about the scale without making these heads on swivels you know, constantly picking up all the details that I wanted to get to. Yeah. So that's where I landed. And I, I think third omniscient is the right fit for this story. Mm -hmm. But it took a lot of, I, I think I still probably have some POV issues that I need to iron out. And then that's not even to get into like when I chose the wrong POV. So I had a scene that should have been an emotional scene for my main because they're like returning to, you know, one of their old haunts. Yeah. I, was in, I wasn't in her POV. <laughs> I was in the B character's POV for that whole chapter. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't until the rewrite that I was like, why am I in his head? Like he didn't even, he doesn't even know what this place is. Yeah. yeah. And I think the solution was I was in his head at the time because I was more comfortable writing as him. So when I went back, I rewrote the whole thing from hers. And I think the scene is way, way stronger. I think it yeah. has much more tension. It's got more emotion to it broadly. And maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Maybe like omniscient third, you're not supposed to dip into limited third, but I do it moments. And then I pull out it moments. It, it feels like the, the, the line is, is somewhat messy. And I think there's a point where like, obviously with, with practice of writing in either one or getting feedback on maybe certain moments where you can identify that you're jumping from the different types, uh, you can start cutting that and be like, okay, maybe I need to focus more on being um within the one or the other um yeah probably what i did do right is like with the narrator i made sure the narrator identified with the character they're with at the time so the metaphors that are used 
Yeah. You know, the way the narrator is presenting things, even the language, right? So like when I'm writing Third Omniscient and I'm with the eight-year-old boy, mm-hmm. my narrator, the language is broken down. The, the metaphors are, you know, around candy and toys and stuff. Like I'm very much trying to parallel the narrator with the character. For better or worse, who knows if you're supposed to do that? <laughs> I think at the end of the I, day, I thought too, it was a novel, fun idea. Yeah. So, well, at the end of the day, too, maybe you, if breaking some of those rules works for the story itself, I mean, you know, that that can be completely fine. But I, I do feel like in Mr. Mercedes, King does that. There's moments where he, the narrator, is with the antagonist, and the narrator very much becomes this racist, misogynistic, terrible character. But it's mm-hmm. not limited third. It very much is omniscient third where the narrator has switched gears a little bit and switched empathy yeah. um, with this despicable character, which then makes for a despicable narrator. It's really kind of odd and jarring. But yeah. also, I think if you don't, if you're not tuned in, because I was like reading all these books as like writing class. I think if you're sitting down to enjoy it, there's a really good chance if you're doing it right, the POV and the narrator just vanishes anyway, right? Because yeah. you're along for the ride and you're along for the story. And as much as Omniscient Third, I think, was um, a good fit for Critical Mass, and right now I'm trying to work in Limited Third because I have a story that's intentionally smaller in focus, and I do want to be very proximate to the main character. And I think yeah. Limited Third for that smaller tale fits. Mm-hmm. Also, I just need to practice writing in it, I think. So I yeah. think it'll be a good, even if this short story doesn't go anywhere, novella doesn't go anywhere, it's, it'll be good to practice limited third with some intentionality. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, it's like a little relieving almost that there's fewer options. Mm-hmm. This, the scale feels smaller. I think I might not head hop per se, but I might have a chapter that goes into a different limited third. Yep. Because you can do that, right? You can mm-hmm. change the characters that you follow, but in a way the scale feels much smaller, but it fits critical mass is like a big outbreak story in a city. And then yep. this like little vampire tale is for me, a, a small suburban, you know, vampire story, which it feels more intimate to me. I think the challenge of writing in first and versus third person limited or any third person, right. Is, is pacing too. I like, I think when I read when I, the first draft I wrote in like first person, again, I didn't consider pacing. I don't think I really, you don't think about it. I, I didn't know it and how it impacted the story until after I finished it and I read it and I was like, this is boring. <laughs> um, I, I think it's kind of interesting to th- think of like the pacing because like now I've got three characters, right? Multiple character, third person limited. Um, and now I'm like bouncing between them at different moments in time. Um, and it, it kind of heightens and has this now kind of this pacing that it moves and being consistent with when they show up too is something I've kind of found interesting, but um, I think that's something also to consider when you're choosing your point of view is, is the pacing of the story and, you know, how can you, um, you know, whichever way you go, you know, how, how do you make that kind of work? Because it's pretty important uh, for like that another layer of connecting with the reader. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I think one of the reasons why sometimes with the scale of things, first person and, limited third are not enticing is because this the scope is so much smaller and more intimate and i think if you approach your story with that intentionality that's that's fine but but lately i've read some examples i read a first person example where the main character was a designer Mm -hmm. and you know 
like a graphic designer on computers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and we're getting the story from their first person perspective, but when they are describing nature or where they are, very poetic. Like they don't sound like a graphic designer. They very much sound like a graduate student in English, Mm -hmm. perhaps a PhD. It's like this very effusive, beautiful language. But for the main character that is established in her interests, it, there was like a big split between those two things. Hmm. And then with limited third, like I read Clown in a Cornfield, which is, you know, quite, quite enjoyable. But when it's limited third, it's like, and then she felt the knife stab her leg. And it's like, there's this minutia of detail of like the blood trickling. And it's mm-hmm. like, it takes me out of it in that moment because nobody would be thinking about that in such detail <laughs> in such like microscopic yeah. zoom in detail. Um, then that's to me when the narrator, not the narrator, when the author drips through and when mm-hmm. I can see the author's choices, I suspension of disbelief completely falls Gets apart fall, from me. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe there's a fear, right? Like if you're writing a limited third, I think you need to write more contained and more focused, which gives you less options to be, I don't know, like prosaic and use long words and sound fancy. Right. Writing in first person with my main character. I'm like, this is like a 50 page novel. You know, I feel like I needed like a little more bulk to it. So I was like, well, and just reading in in genre, kind of genre expectations, Um, you know, going from multiple characters, point of views and, and building that tension from different angles felt, felt right for the story, felt right Mm. for what I was trying to capture. But I was also like, man, if you just cut it down, like each of these these three characters' stories by themselves is, is very short. It's probably not a coincidence that I would I would venture to guess, and I can speak from my own experience and now yours, that most first attempts are probably first person. Yeah. It probably feels the easiest and most comfortable and accessible to write in off the bat. Yes. And well, and that's the other thing too. That first draft, it's basically me. It's just me, right? It's me yeah. me talking. Um, cause I had no idea, I had no concept, no idea of how to actually develop this character and it not be me right choice on my part. So pat myself in the back for changing that. That's interesting, right? So if your first draft and first person was kind of you as author as like an avatar in that space, which has since been refined and, and changed and mm. now that your main character has like more nuance to them, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense, right? That there was this electricity when you're writing as Lilo, because that character was a fully formed character and not just an avatar at the time for the writer. Yes, right? 100%, yep. So then when you went back and you injected that kind of character into your main, now those scenes have that kind of momentum yep. that the other scenes as Lilo had. 100%, and even cool. even the, the secondary character, like his friend, like like writing that character and giving him his own voice and he's got his own thing and that's fun to write now because it's just, uh, it's been an interesting process, but. Um, so what have you been reading? You got a, and what, what POVs are they in? Am I allowed to say this? Um, I'm reading Rage by uh, <laughs> I don't know. Stephen King. Is that okay for you? Well, by Bachman, I guess. Well, because it's like, it's out of print now. It's one of the books oh. that um, he, uh, he was okay, like in a post-Columbine world to say, okay, we're not printing this anymore. Mm, okay. Um, so I've come across a copy of Rage and I'm mm. reading that. It's about a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in first person. I'm reading it kind of as a comp um, to that vampire story that I'm yep. working on. I don't have strong feelings about it yet. Yep. 
I don't love, I mean, I completely understand why he allowed it to go out of print. Yep. But, you know, I never feel great when you can't find art anymore. Yeah. And it was kind of hard to track down. So, yeah, I'm reading that and um, just finishing up the elementals, okay. um, which is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Such a great book written by Michael McDowell. He was responsible for the scripts for um, Nightmare Before Christmas and Beetlejuice. Oh, I had nice. no idea okay. kind of getting into that. Um, the first 30 pages of this book um, were so amazingly difficult to read, uh, but it really picks up. Uh, that is in Omniscient Third Person. There is so many characters. It must have been so hard not to head hop. Uh, he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But the narrator is in there at moments telling you how certain characters feel. But no, it's a great book. I, I highly recommend it. I'm just coming to the end of it now. I have like, you know, 50 pages left. But it's a great ghost story. Nice. It's actually pretty scary, mm-hmm. um, which is rare, honestly, to read. He plays with darkness a lot, which actually I tried to do a bit in Critical Mass. I feel like it's one of the um, things that books gets much better than any kind of visual medium can, playing with darkness. Um because you're relying on a character's imagination then as opposed to what they're seeing, mm-hmm. it's way easier to appear, to imagine being in a, in a dark room and something scary happening than seeing kind of like a blue lit screen of somebody pretending they can't see anything. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- those moments are um, really wonderful. Nice. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Nice. What about you, Russ? What are you reading or watching these days? I just finished two books. I finished reading that uh, Paradox Hotel by Rob Hart in first person. It's a fun quick read some time travel stuff um it was good i i'm doing some comps and just research for my next book which will have a little time travel aspect to it and those space time videos those pbs space time videos <laughs> so much fun. on youtube i love those dude <laughs> they're, so, they're so good they're so good outside of that i finished uh second book of the mistborn series well of ascension by brandon sanderson i think it's one of his earlier series pretty old but that's multiple characters fantasy third person limited i think but it jumps to like a lot of different characters um, throughout. It was great, great, great read. Uh, and I just started reading Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. I had just finished reading his recursion book, kind of leading into his stuff because he gets into some time travel stuff. And um, this one's in first person, and I think to good of good effect because you know you're following this character trying to figure out what's happened to his his brain, his memories, and. You know, his life that he had lived for 10 years has kind of disappeared and other people think, you know, that's not the life he was living. So it's like, oh, this is, I can see why you wrote this in first person because you're kind of trudging along with this character. So that's pretty good. Um, Yeah, that's been pretty much it for reading. But yeah, I think that's it. That's our episode. So thanks everyone for listening. Well, um, if you enjoyed the episode, think someone else might like it, send it along. If you have any uh, topic ideas or any feedback or you just want to chat, you can hit us on Twitter at writer underscore syndrome. Ew, Twitter. Yeah, We're going to stay there? I don't know. Are we going to be new Mastodon people? Yeah, I feel like we said this at the end of the last episode, so we'll see how long it lasts. But for now, you can find us there. Yeah. You're going to drop some links there, right? Some resources or on the cast, are you going to drop them? Uh, we can do it on both. I think we'll throw them out there on on the uh, Twitter account. And you can head over to writersyndrome.com for all the episodes, contact info. And as part of this episode, we'll, we'll, we'll include some links to some of the uh, in-depth point of view uh, articles, which I found really useful. So it'll set you off on your own point of view rabbit hole. So And, and hopefully save you many, Ugh. many hours. 
hopefully this, rewriting hopefully and researching and listening to this half hour uh, will help you <laughs> know the pain of choosing the wrong pov to start your 80 90,000 <laughs> so next episode what are we what are we doing what about, do you want to chat about what do you got in the docket i think we're talking about some some goals right beginning starting the new year new year new us goals yeah new years new me new goals yeah i don't know what that, that that's going to entail but it's probably a good idea right maybe we could I talk about goals yeah we could talk about our own writing goals for the year and yeah how do you, how are we setting them and if it's working or if it's not my goal will be to prepare for that episode yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> In, until then, little, little did Tim know he's not going to prepare his <laughs> Oh, bad POV. Oh, no, he screwed that all up. <laughs> uh, until then, keep writing. <laughs>